in the night Your heart fills with dread Probably a murderer who wants you dead It could be a ghost, a demon or worse Perhaps you're the victim of a witch's curse It's hopeless, you're doomed You'd call a priest if you could You'd rather just listen to who? Sinisterhood I'm gonna kill you Well, hello and welcome to another edition of Freaky Friday <laughs> It is Friday, April 14th but We're recording this April 13th in the studio and we have all the lights off and it's very cozy and like ooh it's a vibe I like it I feel like we're telling ghost stories around the campfire in the dark yeah it's like all she turned the light on and I was like you can turn it back off if you want it's kind of a I did kind of fun I'm glad we did yes we don't normally record in the same studio but we had a fun interview with some Guests that are going to be coming up on a upcoming a future Freaky episode Friday. So we uh, did that together, and then we're we're just riding the wave, <laughs> just staying together all day. And, and now, then, yeah, that is true. We will be together all day because we have another one at six. We're doing all day, day together, and then next week we're leaving town together, and we're spending all day every day together. That is true. Yes, we will be in Denver on the nineteenth, and Salt Lake City on the twentieth. We have shows there. We're bringing our full moon energy tour. There are still some tickets left. So go to SinisterHood.com slash live shows for information on those. And then all the other upcoming cities we've got. Yeah, we're going to Austin on April 27th. May 3rd, we're going to be in Houston. And then all throughout the summer. So yeah, check those out. And if you have anything in Denver or Salt Lake you think we need to see, I saw a cool thing. Somebody told me a place to eat in Denver. Okay, I saw a thing on Instagram today that was like, wild Denver bar, bucket list adventure. And so we're going to go on some adventures. Whoa. I'm getting, I think I'm getting targeted ads. I don't know. Maybe we're we we're going to some like LARP place. <laughs> Aren't we? I think that's the plan in Salt Lake. We might try to make it to Evermore, which where yeah. it sounds like it's like medieval times slash the Magic Renaissance time fair. machines yeah. slash Scarborough Fair. Yeah. And we are we're here for it. We're gonna be have so much fun. So if any of the places on tour you might have somewhere that we need to go that sounds bizarre, please definitely send it our way mm-hmm. to our email. If you're uh if you have a moment, because four twenty We're going to be in Salt Lake City. Something else is happening on 420. That's true. The closing of the voting for the Webby Awards is happening on 420. So you have from now until then. That's a sign from the universe (laughs) that maybe we've got a chance. (laughs) Just kidding. We're in third place. Somebody told us. We're consistently in third place behind. (laughs) But you know what? There's like five nominees. So we're not in last place. Right. And we we are in third place only because of you. We're behind Stephen Colbert. Fair enough. (laughs) And Comedy Bang Bang, also fair enough. All right, fine. I'm fr- frankly shocked that we're in third at all because yeah. it's such a good lineup of shows. <laughs> but that shows the power of you all. For a reminder, the Webbies are the kind of internet awards like the Emmys or the Oscars. I'm going to just say it's up there in <laughs> this the is echelon. This Oscar, yeah, everyone. This is our Oscar. But they do choose it on their own. But there's a separate award called the People's Voice Award that you can vote for. And you can vote for it now. And part of that is that we get a five-word Acceptance, acceptance speech. speech and we've decided we're gonna let you all choose it the webbies are on to us because are- listen i posted on instagram our offer which was hey go vote for us and if we win best comedy podcast we'll let you the fans choose any five words for us to say oh, no. and the webby saw it and then responded with three devil emojis like <laughs> smiling <laughs> like uh-oh <laughs> so well yeah that's uh, That'll be our first and only award we win. Yeah, <laughs> they're going to ban us so from... make it worth it. Yeah, yeah, after that. So please, yeah, please head over to uh, Sinisterhood.com slash Webby's, W-E-B-B-Y-S, or there's going to be a link in the episode description between now and 420 and vote. So uh, we'll we'll see. We'll see if they kick us off. <laughs> we'll see <laughs> what happens. At the very least, um, we get to say that we maybe came in third behind... Stephen Colbert and, and comedy Scott Ackerman. Yeah. So that's pretty sweet. And it's all because of you all. Thank you. Thank you all so much. Well, I'm Christy. I'm Heather. And let's get freaky. This first one is from Charlotte. And it's uh, piggybacking on uh, another one that we did a while back. Its subject line is dead body in a storage unit. The recent Freaky Friday episode involving storage facilities reminded me of a true crime case from my hometown. It's not something I was personally involved in, but it happened where I grew up. 
I can remember all of the news stories for this case vividly, even though I was in middle school at the time. It is a case of domestic violence that has never been covered by a podcast, so I would like to take a minute to share Elaine Donahue's story with you. On September 18, 1997, in Reading, Massachusetts, Edward Donahue reported his wife, Elaine, missing. He made a very public display of searching for his wife, leading vigils and spouting indignation that he would be considered a suspect. Regardless of his protestations, things weren't adding up. As a very devoted mother of four and a nurse, running off without notice would have been extremely out of character. Elaine's car was found backed into a parking spot at a local shopping center when it was well known and joked about among her friends that she wasn't great at parking and would never have backed into a spot. But most damning was what she once reportedly told her co-workers. If anything ever happens to me, make sure Ed doesn't get away with it. For 31 days, there were yellow ribbons all over town, tied around trees and posts, with her missing poster as well as pinned to the shirts of those all praying for her safe return. And for 31 days, Edward Donahue tried to keep up appearances of searching for his wife, but in actuality, he had murdered her and kept her body in their basement until mid-October, when he finally agreed to a canine search of the home. Before that search could occur, Edward Donahue purchased a 50-gallon Rubbermaid container and moved the body of his wife to a nearby storage facility. Additionally, in the middle of the night, while unknowingly under surveillance, he attempted to dispose of a blood-soaked mattress. This led to the police finally getting and executing a search warrant for the home, where they found a receipt for the rental of a storage unit, which eventually led to the discovery of her body in that unit. He had bludgeoned her to death in their bed. In May of 1998, Edward Donahue was convicted of murder and sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. Elaine Donahue is remembered as a kind, hard-working woman who did everything she could for her kids, who were aged 7 to 15 at the time of her death. She was a fantastic nurse and a good neighbor, and her life was cut far too short at just 43 years old. I've attached a news article from the Boston Globe at the time of her death. Thanks for reading this. Well, I have not heard of this, so thank mm-mm. you for um, bringing this to our attention. Yeah, thanks, Charlotte. I know whenever you know you're a kid and something like that happens, it it sticks with you for a really long time because it shatters your understanding and belief of, oh, it's a married couple, like yeah. they're happy. And when you hear somebody can be so you know brutal to somebody that they love. I think it definitely, it affects you. Yeah, it's, this is always, those are, it's so eerie to think she was down there the whole time and he's living his life with their kids in the house. And yeah, just, um, this, it reminds me of a, what was the one that we covered where he would ride out on his little scooter to do interviews at the end of his driveway yeah the kaufman county da murders yes yeah he yes. had known all along what was going on and, and he had done it and he mm-hmm. gave news interviews and everybody's going well we just want to find the killer and he's like yeah we do want to mm-hmm. find the killer it's like they almost relish in being a part of it yeah. knowing that they're the ones that caused it all mm-hmm. but yeah that's eerie but i think the one thing you can do is always take the story away from him so thank you charlotte for sharing elaine's story with all of us yes thank you very much This next one is from C, and it is called Trafficking at the Library. Hello, ladies. I've been a listener since 2018. True crime usually isn't my thing, so I was pleasantly surprised when I came for the paranormal and stayed for the respectful and well-researched true crime. Now I'm going to share my story with you all. I was reminded of it after hearing a similar story on another Freaky Friday about working retail, and I think it's important for people to hear it. I'm a librarian in an urban public library. Being one of the last public places you can visit without having to spend money, we have a lot of regulars who essentially live at the library. This is why I do it. I love my regulars and love connecting people to social services and helping people who don't have internet at their house fill out applications that can only be done online, which seems like everything these days. Working at the library during COVID was a different story. My library did not close during the pandemic and was in a community that did not like to follow COVID protocols. When asking patrons to wear a mask, my coworkers and I often experienced physical violence. 
We are also trained to administer naloxone, commonly called Narcan, the life-saving antidote for someone overdosing on opioids. And I have had so many close calls in the past three years, it's insane that the opioid crisis isn't the number one news story. All that is to say, my job is kind of challenging. So when I say this story is the hardest thing I've ever had to deal with at work, you know it must have been fucking hard. This incident took place about five years ago. Our library was right across the street from the Salvation Army. It was extremely cold outside, and we were just getting ready to close up. The library was still full, though, because some of the regular patrons stayed until the last possible second, either to stay warm or to stay out of the shelter, which was not a very fun place to hang out. One of my coworkers looked outside and saw a girl, probably 8 to 10 years old, very thin and possibly Latina, outside without a coat. She looked like she was waiting for someone. My coworker, a children's librarian, asked her to come inside to wait. She politely declined and stayed outside. We were all very on edge about this, especially because it was dark out, she was alone, the weather was about zero degrees Fahrenheit at the time, and she wasn't dressed appropriately. A few minutes later, she came in. We noticed that not only was she not wearing a coat, but she didn't have any shoes on. In her hand was the newest iPhone, a phone nicer than the one I had. We asked her her name, and she said very timidly that her name was Linda. Upon seeing her outfit, many of the unhoused regulars who were still at the library started rummaging around in their bags, pulling out socks and slippers for her to take. I almost started bawling at this act of kindness. Again, I love my regulars so much. Because it was winter, we worked with a local organization to distribute coats to kids in need. The children's librarian immediately gave the girl a coat for her to keep. She was so excited because it was pink. Just then, two adults walked in, a white male and a white female. We told you to wait outside, the woman said to the girl. I tried to explain that we noticed she didn't have a coat and we'd like to give her one. The woman was suspicious, asking what it would cost. We told her it was free, but for reasons specific to the local nonprofit, we did have to collect her name if they were her parents. Yeah, we're the parents, they said. They were extremely hesitant to write their name and asked several times why they had to do so. We asked the child's name as well. Finally, they obliged. For the child's name, they wrote Bella, not Linda. Again, I have a lot of regulars and usually recognize people in the neighborhood, but I'd never seen either of these people before and wondered if they were staying at the Salvation Army. Why did the little girl have a super nice iPhone if they were unhoused? I guess it's possible, but it all felt really scary to me. After they left, a regular patron called me over and told me some more details. He confirmed that they were a family staying at the Salvation Army and that they just arrived. My regular patron suspected human trafficking, and a few of my coworkers agreed. We decided to escalate it to the police. Multiple people recognized the warning signs, we knew their possible names, and we knew where they were staying. I wish I could say that the police came in, confirmed the trafficking situation, and rescued the girl. But no, of course not. They told us over the phone that our suspicions were not enough proof and they would not be investigating. I stupidly didn't know about the various hotlines you could call to report incidents, so we didn't do anything further. Both the staff and the patrons were really sad. This has stayed with me for years. I think about this girl almost every day. I'm writing this because I've been seeing a lot of social media posts recently, mostly from middle-class white women, talking about how they believe they are being stalked in a mall due to human trafficking. While this is scary and could very much be true, I want to remind everyone of a few facts. According to the U.S. Department of State, human trafficking occurs in the most vulnerable of populations, such as unhoused people, runaway minors, and undocumented immigrants. I appreciate all the social media awareness, but wish that more awareness and attention was on the protection for vulnerable populations, like undocumented children or unhoused folks. Please educate yourselves on the signs of human trafficking, and if you suspect anything, you can call the National Human Trafficking Hotline at 1-888-373-7888. Thank you for reading and for the respectful way you handle every case you cover. Lots of love, C. Wow, that is, uh, first of all, the act of kindness from all the other oh, patrons. Yeah. It makes you, you're right, it makes your heart melt, but... Everybody coming together that day and trying to find the best way to help this girl. I mean, that's the definition of a community. And I think you're so right that 
the signs that we think, oh, well, you know, a stalker is a stranger. A trafficker is going to grab me, this mom at the Target with my car. But what who they're going to grab is somebody that doesn't have a family nearby that can't help them, that doesn't have ID, that you could, a job that's that living on the streets and might margins. want a place to stay. And so they're lured into, you know, yeah. having a meal and Desperation, stuff. you know, mm-hmm. whatever. Take a, a free coat or a free place to stay with a stranger. That's really disturbing. I will say, Maybe the Salvation Army, given that they were staying there, I'm an optimistic person. Hopefully they saw signs of something and that girl got some help down the line. But very, very good tip that the National Human Trafficking mm-hmm. Hotline is always there. I'm comforted that when you go to restrooms and uh, bars, mm-hmm. I've recently seen signs on the back. Are you being trafficked in the bathroom on the airplane? Yeah, yeah. In the air- we travel a lot and um, in a lot of airports in the in the bathroom stalls or stuff like that. So, and you know, and more of at bars and things, you can order certain shots if you're in danger and stuff like that. And sharing stories like this, um, you know, there's always power in that. So thank you so much for sharing that and reminding us of those things. We hope that that little girl was helped by somebody. It sounds like, yeah, things we're not going great. No, but thank you for running a library, too. I also wanted to oh, say yeah. that. Like you said, the last public place where we don't have to spend money. I think mm-hmm. that we've all been conditioned through just our society that, like, oh, I'm going to have to buy a coffee if I go in here. And that's a privilege right. we all have of if you need a place to sit, you need to go to the bathroom. I can spend a couple bucks at a store, and not everybody has that. Mm-hmm. And public spaces like libraries, I think that's one of the very, very large values that they provide because it does bridge that gap between people that don't have the Internet, that yeah. you do want a job, but you can't. Well, give us your email and we'll respond and yeah. let you know if you have the job. So thank you so much for running the library yes. as well. Thank you very much. Sinisterhood will be right back. This next one is from Heather. And the subject line is, he broke not you. <laughs> not me. And the subject line is, he broke my heart. Thank God. Ever since the first Freaky Friday, I've been intending to write to y'all. And finally, still riding high from snagging VIP ticks for your DC show and picking out my lipstick shade for meeting McGruff. Here I am. I've changed the names and locations associated with this story. I graduated college in the mid-90s. That first summer, I worked at a sleepaway camp for children who lived in very challenging circumstances. I mentioned this to explain why the counselors and other workers grew close very quickly. Not only were we sleeping in platform tents and using latrines, but it was a heavy lift emotionally. We really depended on one another and cut through any BS right away. A quirky part of this camp is that I was one of the only American staff members, even though we were about an hour outside of Chicago. Most of the counselors were from other parts of the world, participating in a program that allowed them to travel to the U.S. for months before or after their camp commitment. By the end of our first week, almost everyone had paired up. My new boyfriend, Luca, was from New Zealand. His mother was Moroccan, which factors into the story later. Luca was amazing with the kids, super funny, and seemed to be completely taken with me. I was all in, to the point where we drove eight hours round trip so he could meet my parents on one of our days off. They were convinced I would marry this guy, eventually moved to New Zealand, and they'd never see me again. About a month later, Luca was injured on the job. I drove him to the ER where the doctors confirmed he'd triggered an old sports injury that wouldn't heal fully without surgery. When he called his parents to explain the situation, the conversation got heated. They spoke Arabic, so I had no idea what they were saying. Somehow, it made sense that he would fly to Morocco to get surgery where family members could look after him during his weeks-long recovery. He would return to the States after that. Tearfully, I drove him to O'Hare and watched him board the plane. This was pre-9-11, so you could do that. And then I waited. This was also pre-cell phones, pre-real internet, and the camp staff used a single payphone to communicate with the outside world. When no one had heard from Luca after two weeks, I called the only number I had for him, his house in New Zealand. A woman answered. When I asked for Luca, she didn't respond, but he eventually got on the line. After some awkward pleasantries, I asked, who was that? He said, Meredith. As far as I knew, Meredith was his ex-girlfriend, yet I'd only learned about her when I helped him pack his things and saw a letter he had written to her but never sent. He assured me he had written it months earlier while traveling across the U.S., and he'd forgotten it was even there. But now, on the phone, I asked nervously, What have you been doing? What I was doing before I left for the States, he said. And what was that? I replied. He said, Preparing for the baby. <laughs> 
I stammered and cried, what? I don't. And then a click. Meredith had been listening all along. I then heard shouting and the phone went dead. I crumpled to the floor and wailed with tears. I tried calling a few weeks later to ask why, but it was another brief conversation that ended with Luca and Meredith fighting. After I'd recovered from my initial shock and devastation, my heart went out to Meredith. Sure, Luca had lied to me, but he had left Meredith pregnant on the other side of the world. If he hadn't been injured at camp, he would have moved with me to grad school. When would I have learned that he'd abandoned his girlfriend and unborn child? Fast forward almost 10 years. I'm happily married, but, you know, wine and the internet can lead anyone down a rabbit hole of Googling exes. I find Luca and see he's living in Ireland and managing a sports team. There's a pic of him on the sidelines with a little boy hugging his leg. I think, maybe he and Meredith had another child, or this is an old pic? Fast forward a few more years, still happily married, more wine, more Google, and then I see it, a news story. Man who fled after attempted murder sent to prison. In complete disbelief, I read that Luca and Meredith had separated about a year after I'd last spoken to him. A year later, he'd broken into Meredith's home in the middle of the night and viciously attacked her. He stabbed her repeatedly and tried to strangle her. Meredith fought back and escaped with their daughter to a neighbor's house. The next day, Luca flew to Croatia and then to Ireland. He later married an Irish woman and had a son? Eight years after he'd fled New Zealand, Luca was extradited, tried, and convicted. I saw this news story toward the end of his 6.5-year sentence. So, as with many Freaky Friday stories, my heartbreak turned close call was a horror story for others. In addition to Meredith's suffering, I'm guessing Luca's Irish wife was not aware of his crimes until the authorities came calling. I'm glad to know that Meredith and her child eventually saw Luca brought to justice. I hope she's found peace and that her daughter, who would now be in her mid-20s, is making a wonderful life for herself. Maybe when I see you two, and McGruff, in D.C., I can tell you about the day the FBI knocked on my door in relation to what would become an international news story by the next morning. Can't wait to meet you in a few months. Keep it creepy. This is one of those stories that you're... You think, oh, man, gosh, so he was living a double life, and then that's just the tip of the iceberg. Right. Of People... what he apparently was capable of, and very well put, of my heartbreak became someone else's nightmare. It makes yeah. me look back on things and be like, you know what? Maybe that was for the best that that, that ended. I wish I knew when or I was... didn't work out. Right, when I was younger, that when things didn't work out, and I was so devastated to just except that mm-hmm. maybe something grander than me is watching out for me because that moment that you're like, oh, I have to, he hurt himself and now camp is over and it's ruining everything. Mm-hmm. It seems like at the time, and that's not minimizing what happened, but at the time you're like, this is the be all end all. This is yeah. the worst thing it's that could be happening. World. It's your whole world. And then you see he's truly way, way worse. And like you said, God bless Meredith for getting out of there and his wife in Ireland who, yeah, no clue. I, you, we all, you never know who you're dealing with. Right. And if you have the ability to, you know, run some background checks. We've said before, you knew everything about Paris for your second date. (laughs) It's (laughs) true. As soon as he paid with his debit card. You got to Google. Not to say, you know, that's nobody's fault that you don't know those things, but it's more wild that you can somehow keep all of that under wraps from people and it shows the true nature of just evil that you were able to like move to a new country like compartmentalize all of it like tinder swindler style exactly and like the intimacy that you can Mm -hmm. foster enough intimacy that you have a woman marry you and a kid with you and coaching a team and or a dad to that kid yeah but then meanwhile you know you have another daughter that you've abandoned that you've attacked her mother yeah and abandoned on the run yeah people are sick well uh, 6.5 years does not seem like Six long enough. Six and a half years. That's, uh, yeah, that's, um, uh, I doesn't say where this happened, but I guess. In New Zealand? It, oh, well, as we learned from the Peter Madsen case, the sentences seem to be a little lighter over there. On the other side of the world. And also yeah. talking with Vicky Petratus with the Frankston murders with Australia, New Zealand, mm-hmm. of the long, long-term sentences are less uh, less common absent yes. mitigate or not mitigate like serial killers factors. and whatnot are 
like Vicky said, like that's not a thing that a lot of people deal with over there. Right. But, um, yeah, well, horrible. Well, glad that you got out. Yes. He broke my heart. Thank God. A lot of us can say that. I'm sure. Definitely. Sinisterhood. We'll be right back. Well, this next one is from Sam and the subject line is the night of the caped crusader and his husky cohort, the Paulding light. Hi ladies and freaky Friday listeners. My name is Sam and let's cue the obligatory, but honest comments for the love of you two. I've been listening for years and have gone to multiple live shows in Chicago. I always have a great time while listening to you. You two were also my personal tour guides while I visited Salem with all your recommendations, and you inspired my friend, one person who introduced me to you, hi Kelly, and me to start our own true crime podcast. Thank you. My story is about the Paulding Light in Paulding, Michigan. I grew up in northern Wisconsin, and Paulding, in the upper peninsula of Michigan, was an easy drive from my small town. The Paulding Light is just over the Michigan border, and as a teenager in a small town, it was the perfect spooky night out. Since it's such a small area, Paulding is estimated to have a population of 200. I'm going to make the assumption that many listeners have not been to the area around the light, or even to northern Michigan, so I'll do my best to explain the area. As you're driving a narrow two-lane highway, you turn off onto a dirt road, and the dirt road comes to a dead-end metal barrier. You're in the middle of the woods. No streetlights, no homes, no cell signal, nothing. There are some power lines on your right, and just beyond the metal barrier is a pathway that leads down a hill to a creek. On the other side of the creek is another hill, creating a little valley with the creek at the bottom. The light is essentially exactly what it sounds like. After sunset, a light appears on the opposite hill on the other side of the creek. It appears almost every night, but it doesn't always look the same. It can change colors. Sometimes there can be more than one light, and it often moves around in circular or figure-eight patterns. I spent many, many nights as a teenager hanging out at the light, and I still don't have answers for what it is. One of the craziest things about it is it seems to chase you. If you walk down toward the creek, it will seem to move away from you, and at points, you can't even see it over the hill, but when you walk back up toward the metal barrier, it seems to chase you and get closer and closer as you turn your back to it and walk away. It never gets very close, but it is almost a weird illusion. It also hates other light. If you drive up with your high beams on, it'll cause the light to disappear. I recommend parking down the street and walking up. Usually it takes a few minutes for it to come back, but it's no guarantee. When I would go up to Paulding frequently in the 2000s and early 2010s, there used to be an older man who wore this beautifully detailed cloak that would hang out in the viewing area with his husky. He would always tell the same story to anyone who would listen. He believes that the light is aliens and that he was abducted. He said he crossed the creek and stood on the opposite hill and swore a purple beam of light transported him to an alien ship. I wish I could remember more details to tell you, but we were often distracted by petting the husky. The lore about the Paulding light is that a train crashed and the brakeman walked along the tracks with a lantern to warn any oncoming trains to avoid another crash. There's even a wooden sign on the dirt road that talks about this theory that was put there by the DNR. Through my own research for the podcast my friend and I have started, I've learned that there were no train tracks in that area. The closest tracks were running east to west, about 30 miles north, and no crashes were ever reported on those tracks. So I'm not sure where this lore comes from, but it makes the light even more fascinating to me. An area college also tried to provide a logical explanation. They did a study where they concluded that it's just lights from the highway 4.7 miles away. I can tell you from personal experience, I have been there on extremely foggy nights, Nights where you can't see anywhere near a mile ahead of you, and I have seen the light. I've also seen it be many different colors, and headlights wouldn't explain that. It's also not the northern lights, which on occasion can be seen in this area. Northern lights are much higher in the sky and most often appear as green, wispy clouds, not a ball of light at ground level. Some people think it's ball lightning, but it's so consistent that I don't think it is. There isn't much of a conclusion here because there's no solid explanation. I've been going to the light for nearly 20 years and it still baffles me. It's a fun and spooky night out and I definitely think you two should look into it more. Thank you, Sam. This is where I would have spent every weekend oh, in high yeah. school if I <laughs> if the light was around. For sure. 
Yeah, you just go down to the light, talk to the guy in the amazing Technicolor dream right? coat with his husky. <laughs> this sounds like a Come fever children. dream. Yeah. It's the greatest thing I've ever heard. This is wild. Yeah. And he has a dog that you get to pet. Yeah. Too. It's like win, win, win. And then you just like play tag with this ball of light. Who knows what it is? Yeah, it chases knows. you. Maybe at worst case scenario, you get sucked up into a light. Do they give you the code in the ship or did he get that code oh. when he got back? That's my question. Well, maybe the coat's worth it. Yeah. If you get the coat, I say, take me away. <laughs> suck me up, Scotty. That's not what back. they say. They don't say suck, suck me, me up. up. Suck me up, Scotty. Yeah. They had to edit that out. <laughs> the original star trek well originally it was suck me off scotty and they're like this is not that show suck me up scotty nope we're still trying to workshop it yeah workshop it sucks not working (laughs) Uh, well uh i forever if we ever find ourselves in paulding michigan i certainly am going to check this out and if the man in the coat and his dog aren't there i'm gonna be disappointed yeah i want to know what his deal is i want to just sit for hours and listen to him (laughs) oh yeah the marvel lights are similar to this though he doesn't have a coat on but when paris and i went during our honeymoon there was like a guy out there that very clearly is often out there like had a lawn chair and (laughs) was like interviewing a lawn chair he was ready to chill and like would ask when people would approach he'd be like oh have you ever he was like an unofficial yeah he took upon himself yeah. to educate and it's he was just like, like down at gra- the grassy knoll there's a lot of people oh tell experts will tell you the truth the real truth <laughs> nobody's paying him to do it no. it's all volunteer work they're getting rewarded inside because <laughs> the truth is getting out there yeah uh, and that is this guy had his lawn chair and some truth to that's share. the magic of weird things like this is it just attracts oddballs oh yeah including us yeah. who love to go down there and just talk to people like i'm that. not gonna be the person sitting out talking Mm-mm. To everyone, but I'll go up to the person and and have a conversation for damn sure. Yeah. Oh, for damn sure. Yeah. Well, well thank uh, you. Thank yeah, you, Sam. that's uh, that's fun. Um, as far as what do I think it is? I think you listen to the coat. If yeah. you say you got sucked <laughs> up by aliens, that's what happened. Yeah. If there's a man in a Technicolor dream coat giving you his opinion on it, who are a local college? Fuck off, professor. No. Whatever. It doesn't matter. That husky. First of all, not a husky. No. Alien in a husky <gasps> body. Oh shit! They needed something. They needed to hide it in something. Mm-hmm. Damn, y'all been petting aliens, and you that's didn't even why know. everyone's like, we're not even sure what he said because we're so distracted by this husky. Oh shit! Subliminal messaging, mind control, alien yeah. husky mind control. Whatever. <laughs> if I had to get mind control by an alien, it would be a sweet fluffy dog that I could pet. I'd be like, yeah, okay, it's fine. It's oh, better than yeah. getting probed by a gray man. If you just yeah. get to chill and pet a dog, that's fine. Yeah, 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 yeah I'd yeah. never know. Well, thank you, Sam. <laughs> thank you so much. Sinisterhood will be right back. Well, for our final two stories this week on Freaky Friday, we have a couple of guest stories. We were joined with Haley and Andrea, the co-host of the podcast Inhuman. Haley is a TikToker at Rob and Haley with a passion for helping victims of crime get justice. And Andrea is a self-proclaimed weirdo, mama, YouTuber, and now a podcaster with Haley, obsessed with all things true crime and with a huge passion for unsolved cases. It was a super fun time talking to both these ladies. They uh, really, like us, want to make sure that the victim stories are told and are very ethical in their research and storytelling. And it was just a lot of fun to to talk to them. And they shared... uh, uh, their Freaky Friday story. Yes. So we hope you enjoy. Well, welcome everybody. Today we are joined with two new guests on our Freaky Friday guest story segment. We have Andrea and Haley here with Inhuman Podcast. Hey. Hello. Hello. Welcome. Thank you all so much for joining us. Yes. Thank you for so having excited. us. So yeah, so y'all host Inhuman Podcast. Haley, you also have a TikTok with a large following. You like to share breaking news and updates and cases. How'd y'all, how'd y'all meet and start podcasting? Yeah, we, uh, so we actually met through the YouTube community. We both kind of started out as lifestyle YouTubers and met through that community and then just became close over various things, but partially of our love of listening to true crime podcasts. And one day I was listening to a story that I wanted to know more about and couldn't find a podcast that had more information about it. So I texted Andrea and I said, hey, would you want to start a podcast where and we I talk was like, about oh. this story? Yes, <laughs> so, absolutely. <laughs> uh, so that's how it kind of got started. And we've just been going from there and we've gotten even closer. Andrea just came out to California for my baby gender reveal party and Aww. she came to my wedding and things like that. So, uh, so yeah, it's been mm-hmm. really neat. That's amazing. Well, first, what? congrats on your pregnancy. Congrats. And what are you, you having? Know. 
I'm having a little boy. Oh, Aww. congrats. I have a little boy <laughs> and there's something about a mama and their son. It's I very, agree. very yep. sweet. Yes. <laughs> I'm very uh, excited. What was the case that you wanted to know more about? So it was the Cleveland kidnapping of Amanda Berry, Gina De Jesus, and Michelle Knight. Um, and we actually, the first 12 episodes of our podcast were completely focused on that story. We read their books. We dove really far into the whole story with that because we were just amazed by how they survived and escaped. They were held captive for many, many years um, and they persevered and they escaped and are doing amazing things now. So we were just captivated by that. And that was kind of what we dove into at first. I remember that case. That's harrowing. That's Is that the one yeah. where uh, the neighbors saw her because she finally got out and like ran out of the house? Yep. Yeah. Yes. I do remember that too. That was unbelievable. Yes. They oh, are yeah. true survivors in every sense of the word. Well, yeah. y'all are praised for your this how accurate you are and how responsive you are to breaking news. So how did you transition from that case to other cases? Like how do you vet cases and decide what you want to cover either on TikTok or on the on the podcast? Yeah, I think it's kind of a mix of we have really awesome listeners who suggest cases and keep us up to date. I mean, both Andrea and I are very, you know, active in the true crime community and following big case updates, but we also have awesome listeners that will suggest cases. And then other than that, it's a lot of I mean, I'll I'll let Andrea chime in too, but it's a lot of stories that for me, the ones that I cover weekly are ones that I either heard of and wanted to know more or had never heard of and couldn't believe I'd never heard of it and just want to bring attention to it, whether it be unsolved and, you know, it needs action and attention or it being a solved case, the victims still deserve to be their stories to be told and for them to be known. So that's kind of how I pick my my cases. Yeah. We definitely cover the big cases that are sensationalized, but I think for Haley and I both, our focus is to find those smaller cases that people don't know about, particularly like for me, I, I want to spread awareness about missing persons um, because I feel like once they get that initial spotlight, then they just kind of go to the wayside and they need to constantly be brought back to the surface. So that's kind of what we do is we try to bring it back to the surface and share those smaller, lesser known missing person cases. I love that. The ones yeah. that people always ask us, what are the cases that stick with you? And the ones that always stick with me the most are the missing persons cases yeah. we've covered. Yeah. Um, Bryce Pisa. Oh, yeah. Daniel Roberts. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then um, oh, the- Brian Schaefer. Yes, yes, yeah, yes. That's a big yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah because you're right. Stick with yeah, me. Andrea, you're right. Because there, there'll be a news cycle where they cover it. And mm-hmm. then unless something is uncovered, it just falls by the wayside and it's left to just a small core group of family and friends. Yeah. So yeah. you're right. If people, you have eyeballs on your content already, it's good to direct those in ways in areas that need it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's wild because, you know, depending on the location, that they may only get local coverage and they don't get this national coverage. So, you know, in the true crime space, like we're given that platform to bring it to a more national, hopefully national attention. So, you know, we got to get them out there. Got to get those names out there. You you know, old cases we've covered like Samuel Little or uh, Terry, the, the chameleon, like you, See mm-hmm. that they they committed crimes all across the country, but because the information yeah. and the investigations were localized, they were able to get away with it for so long. So, in fact, sharing yeah. some information in some of these cases may help, you know, people in areas going, hey, I'm going to ask my local law enforcement, like, are you guys looking out for this? Mm-hmm. Because it might be something exactly. that's going on that, you know, there's there's been like a series of deaths in Austin and a series of deaths in yeah. another city. And you think, oh, well, it's on two different parts of the country, but old cases would tell us. It could mm-hmm. be connected. Yeah. You never know. Yeah, you never yeah. know. Um, of course, law enforcement hopefully is looking into it, but there's nothing wrong with having <laughs> citizens, you know, just keeping your eyes peeled. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Exactly. And we always say you never know who might know something. Exactly. So you never know who might hear a podcast episode about it and know someone who knows someone who knows mm-hmm. something about it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We were talking yesterday about how it's becoming more common practice where podcasts are the ones that kind of break a story open again. Because Very it is true. something that like falls off the police radar and then it takes new ears on it or people that are just like, 
like y'all, you're like, we're going to dive into this case and do like 10 episodes on it because their story is kind of being overshadowed by the perpetrators, you know, his -hmm. whole thing. So being in like the ears of people all over the world that wouldn't hear that otherwise, I think we all are doing good thing by using the platforms we have to kind of yeah. lift up those stories so. for the victims. Yeah. They were doing yeah. it with uh, unsolved mysteries, America's most wanted. Mm-hmm. And if eyeballs are less on television now and more on TikTok or ears are on podcasts mm-hmm. and it's the same messaging, it's just packaged in a more consumable way. So Different media. Yeah, we just 100%. need to all get trench coats like uh, Robert Stack, like on unsolved <laughs> yes. mysteries. We all oh, need yes. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just like nice khaki uh, trench coats. So yeah. Well, we hear you've brought some Freaky Friday tales for us. So, Haley, do you want to share your Freaky Friday tale with us? Yes, I am so excited to share this with you. And it's (laughs) a story that my parents had told me years ago before I got into true crime. And then when I started doing true crime and more spooky, haunted stories, um, I kind of was like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe that this happened. So um, if you guys didn't know, the Queen Mary is a ship that is known as being very haunted. And it is now a hotel and stocked in Long Beach, California, so not far from where I live. And my parents actually had their wedding reception on the Queen Mary in 1995. And so they, I don't know how they did it because they stayed in that (laughs) hotel. I would have been so freaked out. (laughs) But it was, it's been haunted for decades and there's stories of different, you know, ghosts in the rooms and things like that. But the story that I have actually came from my parents' wedding photographer And he had done a ton of weddings and receptions on the Queen Mary. And he said that one time he was in a room where there's an indoor pool. So, you know, it's on a ship. There's an indoor pool. And he went in there and he set up his camera and he left the room, came back. Nothing, you know, was off or anything. He turned away from the pool to look at something on his camera. And when he turned back around, there were ripples in the pool (gasps) as if there had been something in the pool but this was indoor doors were closed there's no wind or anything like that and he said that he was sure that there was some sort of spirit in there playing in the pool maybe a young kid or something like that but it just it really freaked him out because he was like there's no way anything could have made these ripples without it being a spirit or a ghost Mm -hmm. Yeah, the only, I mean, you look for wet footprints like leaning oh, away. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, that would be so scary. <laughs> yeah, that would be it for me. Goodbye. Yeah. No, we're okay. done with I'm that. Oh. <laughs> but did your parents have any um, spooky encounters during their reception? Not that they told me about. I don't mm-hmm. think that they were uh, too concerned about the spookiness <laughs> of it. Um, but also, I'm sure there was a lot of alcohol being drank and things right. like that. So who knows? They might have they might have had something spooky or one of their guests might have. Um, and I wish right. I could like reach out to all their guests and ask them. <laughs> but I've been to the ship too with my now husband. Um, and we went when it was dark out. And not for a haunted tour or anything, but it was very, very eerie. Like Mm -hmm. we didn't see or hear anything, but you could just feel the presence of something. An energy. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder since water is, they say water is a conductor of energy and spiritual energy. If it sailed back and forth, like all the energy it picked up from all the people that have ever been on it. I wonder if that's why she's just sitting in the water. Yeah, sitting in the water too. It conducts it. But yeah, your parents might have had, it might be like the haunted mansion. So why the pool? (laughs) Dancing, yeah. Back into his energy. Oh, that's true. (laughs) If you're a ghost, I think you can go from the water to the pool, up, out, and then walk off. Like you can go yeah, probably. Yeah, you, make your own you can do anything you want when you're a ghost. Yeah, right. <laughs> that's the benefit. Uh, there's not a lot of uh, benefits. There's some drawbacks to being a ghost. Travel wherever you want. One of the benefits is you can go swimming in privacy. Yeah, you're like yeah. you don't worry about just full nude. Yeah, skinny dipping. Yeah, yeah. Skinny dip. yeah. No one's gonna. There's a photographer Unabashed. right there, and you're not even caught. Yeah, yeah. And you can crash a wedding, and no one would even notice that you crashed the wedding. There could have been a naked ghost at your parents' wedding. 
wet, <laughs> sopping wet naked ghost just <laughs> going at the wedding cake. Y'all never know. There could be a naked yeah. ghost wedding happening during their wedding. There could be a naked oh. ghost in this room right now. That's true. Yeah, yeah. yeah is, that's, honestly. That's very true. <laughs> there I probably is. There was. You should yeah. check their wedding photos and see if you see any, right? yeah. anything yeah, awry. Sure. <laughs> might be. Yeah, you might have like orbs or something in the background. That's a cool place for a wedding video. Yeah, that is. Yeah, cool yeah. Place. yeah. It was very beautiful, and uh, I totally would have followed after them, except for the fact that I am thoroughly freaked out by ghosts and spirits <laughs> and could never bring myself there. So you're not – yeah. Well, uh, very cool story. That's very awesome. little Thank ripples. You. Yeah. That's something that you see, like, in a movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Where it's just like, sure. Yeah. And yeah. then little – Pat, pat, pat. Yeah, little wet footprints or little – Wet handprints just coming oh up. My gosh, oh my gosh! Flying out of the, the pool, <laughs> like dragging, oh. like yes. the rain. Oh yeah, like a, a wet drag yeah. body mark. Oh, oh no. yeah, we're no. freaking ourselves out now. Yeah, yeah really. <laughs> the photographer was like, "It was some ripples." Yeah, yeah. Like, we we're like, there were corpses everywhere. We're like way over here now. <laughs> Stopping wet. There were corpses everywhere. Oh, Naked. Ghosts yeah, everyone's at a wedding. <laughs> Everyone ends up nude. Amazing. <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you, Haley. Sinister Hood will be right back. All right. Well, Andrea, you have a story yes, as well. I do. Mine's probably not as cool as Haley's, but so when I was a teenager and like in my early 20s, we had this, we called it the Texas Chainsaw Massacre House. So it was an abandoned house and it was off in the woods. No one lived there. It was dilapidated it really should have been torn down a long time ago it finally did get torn down back in like 2005 or 6 um but you know as teenagers we would go there to uh partake in things that oh, yes. you know you might not be able to do <laughs> other places um and every time we went it was a it was a new experience so to get into the house because the doors and a lot of the windows were boarded up but the ones that weren't boarded up were obviously you know broken by people throwing rocks and things so you had to kind of climb in through like a basement window and it's a large home three stories just to give you a visual and we would only go to like the basement floor and the first floor the second floor the stairs were completely rotted and like messed up you couldn't get up there so one of the times we were there we were doing things um (laughs) You know, I don't know how far I can go on your podcast. You can go as far as you want. Okay, so we're smoking weed. We're smoking weed. (laughs) We talk about it all the time. Okay, cool. Um, (laughs) So we're, we're, you know, smoking a little pot, you know, doing our thing. And all of a sudden we hear what sounded like a, like an old school baby mobile. Oh, like a Mm -mm. ding, ding, ding. Killing music. Yes. And it was coming from the upstairs. So obviously we couldn't go up there and investigate, but being that we were high we were just like not really freaked out we didn't really like book it out of there but then another time we went back there was uh candle wax and there was blonde hair like copious amounts of blonde hair on the floor oh so yeah it was a really notice yes i mean there was all kinds of weird things people went there to smoke pot have sex do all that stuff so yeah there was always some some questionable items beer cans beer bottles stuff like that but the um candles and the baby mobile and the <laughs> blonde hair that just kind of yeah. yeah just kind of yeah. took it took us no. out so but yeah, i'd be out wasn't enough to prevent you from going back and that's what we <laughs> no, like hell yeah. perseverance no like, this isn't gonna no, stop it me. was not because no. it was yeah. like a surefire place that we yeah. could go to smoke weed <laughs> and honestly if there's creepy baby mobiles and hair and wax keeping other people out and you're yeah. chill with it you know it's like available they're like well also yes. and they're cool with you yeah yeah, yeah and like, the ghosts these are people are cool whatever yeah you let them play their music they let you do whatever you want downstairs you're like we're cool all right yeah nobody's here to yeah. yuck anybody's yum i talk um i've talked a lot before about a place that we used to go in high school called the pipe which it was oh, yeah. out it was outdoors but it was for the same reasons y'all would go to this house and mm-hmm. it was in the woods it was very creepy looking back i'm like the things we did at 16 oh, no knowing now what i know <laughs> oh then, I'm like what was i ever how did i make it <laughs> how are we alive no i really <laughs> honestly don't know i've could have been kidnapped so many times mm-hmm. by this yeah point. 
But um, the three-story Texas Chainsaw Massacre house, we uh, such a obviously are from Texas. Yes. So that is still one of the scariest movies I've seen. The original. Oh, yeah. It's something about it being daylight yeah. when it goes down that just <laughs> hits me. It hits different. Yeah. Yeah, you don't expect it during the day. No, you don't. Yeah, no. yeah. But that and house also, looked just like the one from the original. Oh, so. that's yeah. Well, y'all are. That's the determination of a teenager to <laughs> we get were, high. They're like, I'm yeah, gonna really. go to this house. Well, probably, I'm gonna get killed, but I'm still gonna do it. We're gonna go. It's we had one like it. that. Yeah, in our hometown, and it was they called it Motley Mansion. They eventually broke like. I guess tore it down or whatever, but it was this like rumor that if you went up there, that the owner, the ghost of the owner would like be in the window or the actual owner. I was like, I think someone still lives there because you didn't go out. I think you just went outside was it the of the same it. person and they didn't know if he was dead. Like, <laughs> like either him or he just leaves his house. Yeah. That you can probably figure out if he's alive or dead. If you just wait long enough. Yeah. Does he file a tax return? Or uh, does he have an obituary? <laughs> You're like checking digging. his mail. Yeah. Just do a does little digging. Social security still where his social security number did you go to the motley mansion i did not though because i was such a we always joke yeah we're polar opposites she was the cool kid and i was like i'm gonna get in trouble i can't go i'm the one that when we snuck out of my house i told my (laughs) sister i have to go to the bathroom she's like so you have to sneak back into the house (laughs) and then we have to sneak back out again and i was like you're making this triple hard (laughs) and she's like no i'm gonna leave you i said i'll wake up mom and dad and tell i'm the worst yeah so i would not have been at your cool three-story house (laughs) no it was number two you guys (laughs) i was a nervous bathroomer and i was like that's what it was yeah like oh i'm going with my cool sister finally i woke up when she was nervous yeah, that's my, that's just like the, the nervous micro- shits. Yeah. It's the microcosm of my entire life is like, I had a cool opportunity and I had to go to the bathroom and ruined it. It's okay. Yeah. That's, right. that's totally that me house, too. Man, that does sum yeah. up a lot of your life. That is my whole life. Yeah. I would, uh, I would not have made it to your three story house because I probably would have been like, we're going to stop the quick trip and go to the bathroom. Right. No. But, uh, house, though, man. That's creepy. That's amazing. And where, where was that? Where did you grow up? I grew up in South Carolina. Okay. Oh, very cool. Yeah. I could tell, I heard a bit of a Southern, Southern. accent, but I wasn't yeah. sure. We get it all the time that y'all's accents are great. And I'm like, I, I talk don't normal. have an accent. <laughs> I, talk, I talk regular. So, but, uh, are y'all we, both from Texas? Like yeah. originally? Okay. Yeah. Do we sound like it? Well, Christy, I your, think you do. your voice is very <laughs> proper. So I don't hear it until you say like y'all or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. But Heather, like I can yeah. definitely hear you. Christy, yeah, we she's from Fort Worth. We had different from uh, you know, in, as far as the school upbringing. Up as far as the city goes, yeah, yeah. But, the city uh, goes. I'm from like the country, more country suburbs. A train stop that then turned into a suburb. So same. I pick it up more when. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, we hang out pretty much constantly, twenty four seven. So <laughs> I terrible. do sound more. Texan now than I you probably do. ever have in my life. No honestly. joke. There's been stuff that you said recently, and you're like, "Where's my whatever?" And I was like, "Oh, she's got some of that McKinney swing." I'm sorry, I bled over. I bled yeah, over. I think it's. I always heard until the podcast, you don't sound like you're from Texas. Mm-hmm. That's, everyone would always tell me that, and I think it's because I did a lot of theater. So well, they kind of get it out of you. Yeah, yeah, you had to do so much diction work and everything to have a neutral accent that it's kind yeah. of been a. Uh, but now, yeah, now it's back. Baby. They get you like a you, you hang out with Heather for a while. You for can't five not seconds. be talking like this. Where are you talking? Oh, like, hell yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's like a King of the Hill character. But a South Carolina, <laughs> Texas Chainsaw Massacre home. Yeah. That's South Carolina Massacre. Deep South. Back Rose, <laughs> Texas, Deep South Woods. Oh, Those yeah. Are two like places mm-hmm. I never want to find myself. Fan boat. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Low country mm-hmm. stuff. No. So. And that's, that's why all. I live in the city. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's right. You're like, like but you spent time out west, and she has a little bit of a Midwestern accent. I oh, also yeah? lived in Northern Virginia for a while, so my my Southern accent used to be a lot heavier. Oh, mm. really? Yeah, that, yeah. Virginia. <laughs> yeah, I went to <laughs> I went to college in Indiana, and okay. a lot of people there were from Chicago. And so while uh-huh. I was there, I picked up some of the Chicago accent just a little bit. Every now and then, mm-hmm. it'll come out. But yeah, I love that. Heather lived in Chicago mm-hmm. too. Yeah. It'll I come love out sometimes. Chicago, 
Yeah. Yeah. When we're there, too. Oh, yeah, definitely. And like hearing I was watching something popped up on YouTube and it was a clip from WGN. So I'll watch WGN news sometimes <laughs> and be like, oh, and they'll, they were interviewing people and they're like, oh, man. And I was like, oh, it sounds like all my neighbors used to sound. I mean, miss That's all my so old funny. Chicago friends. We love Chicago. We oh, say it's much. our favorite city, including oh, it's really our own oh, city. Listen, it's so better. Our city's number two. Dallas. Maybe. Ish. <laughs> it's in the top 10. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Maybe. Hey, <laughs> we're traveling more. I live in Los Angeles and I don't even put that in my top 10. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't enough. think LA is in my top 10 either. Uh, <laughs> no, but I, I live do. in the suburbs of LA, like okay. closer to the beach. So it's not like nice. city city. Um, yeah. So it's I'm a little big, nicer. I'm uh, a Northern California fan. Though. Oh yeah. Big Sur. Yeah. It's so nice Northern up there. California. Yes. It's yeah. beautiful. But I also love San Diego. So. Oh, same. LA's great too, too. We're coming to LA Listen, soon. You can everybody. find, yeah, so right. I, we're all shitting on LA. We're going to be in LA June 9th. So we'll be there on tour. Um, well, and we'll be in San Francisco. Speaking too. of tour, we're plugging ourselves. Where can everyone find you all? Yeah, you can find us everywhere you listen to podcasts, Inhuman. Um, and we all are also on Instagram at Inhuman underscore podcast. And we have a Facebook group, Inhuman, a true crime podcast. But we're everywhere you want to listen. And we'd and love TikTok. to have you guys. Oh, yeah, we're and on TikTok, TikTok as yeah, well. Plug your TikTok. <laughs> yeah, what's your TikTok handle? Yeah, Andrea, Inhuman podcast. Andrea handles our, our uh, podcast TikTok. And then I'm also on TikTok at Robin Haley, which it's only me. My husband's name is Rob, but that's been my username for too long and I can't change it. Uh, yeah, you look on it and you're like, it's just Haley, but that's okay. Rob, <laughs> yep. Rob is near supporting. He's but, in the exactly. background. Yeah. 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 Do y'all have anything you're working on right now? Any cool upcoming things? Episodes or? Yeah, we, uh, we have some kind of bigger cases that I think we're going to try to cover here soon that we've gotten a lot of requests for. Um, and we also are planning to soon launch new merch that we're really, really, right. really excited about. Um, so yeah, you can check all of that out on any of our socials and we have a website in humanpodcast.com. Perfect. Awesome. Yeah. Well, we'll make sure to link it all in the show notes yes. and everything. Well, thank y'all both for being with thank us today. You. We really appreciate thank the time. You. Yes. And, uh, You're so here. fun to talk to. I hope we are pass cross again yeah, and uh, we're yes. gonna be in la in just like a month so yeah uh, if, if yeah. uh i haven't given birth yet i will try, <laughs> no, to, come, right. try yes. to come sure, because, hang out wait, with you guys. When's, when's your due date june 30th so i think okay. i'll be okay well it's okay. after our show but so, only yeah. by like a week and a half so if you want to come sit for an hour and a half as yeah. a nine-month pregnant person you're <laughs> if welcome you, but you, i know that you don't because I've done it twice, so don't you don't want to do anything when you're nine no, months pregnant no not at all <laughs> we will not hold it against you but if you come and you go into labor she's had two kids she could probably help oh perfect, yeah. <laughs> perfect. emotionally she i don't know about, like, like, physically. but i'll be there to cheer you on <laughs> she can talk you through it. She can, Chris is great. She coaches me through life all the time. So perfect, I believe she perfect. can do anything. But yeah, yeah. well, we appreciate y'all being with yes, us. And thank y'all. Yes. Thank y'all. Thank you so thank much. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah. Well, thank you so much to Haley and Andrea of Inhuman Podcast. And thank you to everyone else for sending in your Freaky Friday stories. If you have an odd but true story, maybe you've encountered Bigfoot, you've seen a UFO, you had a brush with true crime, or you felt the presence of an otherworldly being, send them in at sinisterhood.com slash Freaky Friday. We love providing Sinisterhood to you at no cost, so if you like what you hear, consider supporting the show by donating to our Patreon. We're a small operation, creating this show for you by researching, writing, recording, and producing it ourselves. Any amount is sincerely appreciated and helps offset the cost of making and hosting the show. As a thank you, you'll also get some sweet perks like ad-free episodes, a Sinisterhood sticker, membership to our exclusive Patreon Facebook group for those in the Rolling the Airwaves and Getting Into It tier, a special shout-out on the show, a monthly bonus minisode, and patron-exclusive video and audio content, including Am I the Asshole, Relationship Advice, Judge Christie, Dear Sinister, True Crime Headlines, and more. And patrons in our Getting Into It tier are also able to vote on a bonus content segment each month they would like to see us live stream. This month it will be April 30th at 8 p.m. Central and voting will begin soon. You also have the fun perk of access to our Discord server where you can connect with other fans in real time and discuss the latest in true crime, share personal ghost stories, or just post adorable pictures of your pets. 
We hop on occasionally and we host monthly Q&As on Crowdcast where you can ask us all your burning questions. When is this month? This month's Crowdcast monthly Q&A is April 26th, Wednesday, 8 p.m. Central Time. And you can register for them both now in the pinned post on Patreon. They're always so much fun. Such so a hoot. we hope to see you there. For our patrons not in the U.S., you have the option to pay in pounds or euros, saving you the cost of the conversion fee. Annual memberships for all tiers are also now available. Those that select this option will be rewarded with a free month of membership. For more details on all of this and specific member tiers, visit Sinisterhood.com and click Patreon on the top banner. So many of you have been tagging us in pictures of you sporting your sweet Sinisterhood merch. Keep those pictures coming. You want to get some cool Sinisterhood swag like t-shirts, mugs, totes, and even clothes for your kiddos? Visit Sinisterhood.com. Click shop on the top banner. You can support the show fast, easy, and at no cost to you by rating, reviewing, and following on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Speaking of reviews, you can easily leave one by going to Sinisterhood.com slash reviews. Yours may even be featured on our social media have a friend who you think would like us you can easily share any episode with them by clicking the three dots in the top right corner you can also share topic-based playlist from spotify by visiting sinisterhood.com playlist you can follow us on instagram and twitter at sinisterhood pod like us on facebook at sinisterhood we will also have the interview with Haley and andrea as well as our other freaky friday interviews all on our youtube page at sinisterhood podcast so you see the video version of our interviews we're also going to have some on our TikTok at Sinisterhood Podcast. If you want to get on a video chat with us and have us uh, send you a pep talk, a happy birthday, a hi, how are you, how's it going, go to cameo.com slash Sinisterhood where you can book your personalized video shout outs. Where are you at on the computer? I am on Instagram at Christy and Wallace and Twitter and TikTok at Christy or GTFO. Heather? I'm on Instagram at Heather versus the world and on Twitter at MCK versus the world. As always, the devil rules the airwaves. Keep it creepy. Sinister hope.